Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in house in the Central Division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. Whatever, but he said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans. It's Tony Marchese, and tonight I'm joined by NWI Steve, and we are here to talk about a crosstown beatdown, Steve. But before we get into that, make sure you're checking out Grandstand. Grandstand's got all of that Sox gear. Steve, I know you were just over at Grandstand. What was that, last week? Yeah, yeah, I was just over there on uh, Thursday. Uh, picked up a couple of new items, obviously, uh, you know, for those of us that are for those listeners here and, and people watching the the stream today here don't didn't realize um, our boy Buzz it was his daughter's first birthday on uh, on Saturday here so I had a little party so stopped over at Grandstand picked up a little something for her met up with Buzzy he had a couple two tree dozen beers watched uh, whatever that game was yesterday and just had a good old time. Well, we'll talk more about that but Steve it's going to be important that you're checking out Grandstand coming up soon here the Sox are going to be. It looks like we might have some some cool stuff coming out uh, in October from Grandstand. So be sure White Sox fans are checking out Grandstand Sports for all of your White Sox gear. And be sure you're checking out ontapsportsnet.com for all of your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs as Buzzwood Stay. Steve Crackham, we're talking about a White Sox victory on the south side of Chicago today. A lot of fireworks in this one. How you doing, my friend? I'm feeling great because anytime this team goes out there and hits five dingers in a game, it's usually going to end up going pretty well. And we saw a hell of a performance today from Luis. Wow. Wow. Smoking them, was... two, smoking them two dingers, making some plays in center field, showing the dynamic player that he is out there. And boy, is it great to have him back. That was, that was powerful. I might need to go back and clip that our role. That was, that was, yeah. Pat Bodeway in the comments, Owen Wilson, wow. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was fantastic, Steve. I don't even know that, I might just need to close the show down now. I don't think that anything can, can be topped. Look, I know, I know we normally save those types of heavy R rolls for, you know, socks on tap after dark, you know, especially on like Friday nights when you put the, put the women and children to bed. But listen, he went out there, he lit some shit up today exploded some fireworks he deserves it today we got to bring it out we got to give the people what they want yeah Luis robert was absolutely impressive and this is the type of stuff uh when when people would like you know back in the day when they said he's the next mike trout that's what it looked like today in the outfield getting it done uh getting it done at the plate Luis robert just absolutely impressive if i had a game ball laying around here i'd give it to him uh but steve it was it was fantastic to watch him at the plate today 
really was. And it's it's been very refreshing to see the progression that he's made here since coming back. I mean, he's just really hitting piss rods all over the field um, to this point. And I think we talked about it a little bit here over the last maybe seven to ten days or so. It definitely looks like there has been an adjustment to his stance. He's, he's a little more open uh, than he was previously before the um, before the injury there. He was, he was pretty closed off before, so he's got a slightly open stance here. And I'm wondering if that's maybe helping him from a pitch recognition standpoint, helping him to see the ball a little bit better uh, from that perspective and allowing him to just unload on some pitches here like he did today. Yeah, Steve, I'm not sure if, if this is updated or not, but last 10 games for Luis Robert, batting 386, three homers, nine RBIs, and 10 runs scored. Seems uh, decent. Yeah, that seems that seems good. That seems very good. So, uh, you know, the, the – Man, he has been an addition to this lineup since he came back, and I'm I'm all for it. But before we we go any farther in on Luis Robert, Steve, I want to talk a little bit about Friday night's game, and then I want to talk nothing about yesterday's game, and then we'll get back to this game that they played uh, tonight here or this afternoon. Uh, Friday was an interesting ball game, Steve. What were your thoughts Friday night as you as you watch this? I think maybe let's let's talk a little bit about that first inning in Dallas Keuchel because I think that's relevant. Uh, what were your thoughts on on Keuchel's start and and just what happened there? One word, bad. Um, it's getting very hard to justify continuing to run him out there at this point. I know I wrote the piece. Um, maybe about seven to 10 days ago, talking about needing to limit him to about five innings or, or twice through the order. You know, you have this little slap dick hitting team um, that they played this weekend here, and you go out there and you just get your tits lit up for six runs in the first inning. It's getting more and more challenging to justify him continuing to take the ball every fifth day. And then you saw Ronaldo Lopez uh, come in in relief for him and really slam the door, throw five perfect innings, put this team in a position to come back and win a baseball game, uh, which they obviously did. You know, the bats really came to life there. But if Keiko can't even get the job done against a, a group of, of, you know, hitters, like what they have um, on, on the other side of town there, you know, you, you know you can't rely on him to win pivotal games during the month of September. And despite the fact that they've got this large divisional lead here, they are still playing for playoff seating. And it is going to be very important that they find some way to catch and pass the Houston Astros so that they at least have home field advantage during that division series matchup against Houston here, because that's who it looks like they're going to be going up against. Absolutely. And you know what? I'm not going to harp too much on this. I think there's better things that we can talk about, but there were some downfalls this weekend and Dallas Keuchel was one of them. Now on the positive side, Steve, Reynaldo Lopez comes out and is just lights out, just absolutely lights out for the White Sox in this ballgame, really gave the White Sox a chance to kind of come back here and hold everything at bay, Steve. I'm impressed. I'm very impressed with Reynaldo Lopez uh, since coming back up to uh, the Major League Ball Club. Give me some thoughts on him. It's it's hard not to be impressed. The fact is he looks like a, a different picture. He looks like he's got a higher level of focus than he had had at any point during his White Sox tenure. That was something that was always talked about was the mental lapses that would plague him for an inning at a time in, in various starts that, that he would make. He doesn't seem to be having those to this point. He's going 
out there and attacking guys early in counts, utilizing the fastball and really just utilizing a fastball slider combination, kind of piggybacking off of the article that I wrote about Lopez earlier on in the week here. He's showing that he's deserving of an opportunity to continue getting the ball. And again, kind of coupling that with the issues that Keiko is having and the regression that he is really seeing from that, you know, sparkling sub two ERA that he had in the shortened 2020 season you're really getting to a point here where you have to ask a question. Do you, do you put Ronaldo Lopez in Dallas Keiko spot every fifth day here going forward? And I think it's a legitimate question that is going to have to be answered here in short order. Yeah, it absolutely is, Steve. And one thing about this too, I think that could benefit the White Sox is maybe using Ronaldo Lopez, uh, you know, potentially as the opener for Dallas Keuchel or vice versa. Uh, you, you're going to have to get something out of Dallas Keuchel, Steve. I don't know. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of people who are saying that Reynaldo Lopez is best served out of the bullpen. I think we heard it from Steve Stone on the broadcast during that. Just the mentality of him coming in as a reliever has looked completely different than what you've seen the mentality be uh, when he comes out as a starter. I don't know what the magic formula is here, but right now it seems to be working with Reynaldo Lopez out of the bullpen. I'm somewhat hesitant personally to change what has been working. I know he's made a couple of starts here and there uh, when they needed him to, but overall, I mean, he, he, he looks like he deserves the ball more than Dallas Keuchel does right now. And I think that that's the sentiment that uh, both you and I share here. hundred percent. I, I couldn't have said it any better, Tony. He's taken the bull by the horns to this point when he has been given his opportunity, he has taken the ball and he has aggressively gone after guys and he's getting out and he's doing that much more efficiently than Dallas Keuchel is at the moment. Yes. So this ball game, Steve, goes four hours and nine minutes of, of baseball fun. Uh, we talked a little bit about the White Sox coming up and uh, or coming out there in the first and giving up six runs at the hands of Dallas Keuchel. Uh, the White Sox were able to scratch one across in the first, um, but then it was the third inning, Steve. It was the third inning that was one of the most fun outside of uh, what we'll get to from today's ball game. But that third inning, the Sox are able to get eight runs across the plate. Uh, and the offense came alive right there, Steve. The offense came alive. This was the first game, I think that's worth mentioning, uh, that you had the full lineup together. You had Yasmani Grandal back, and he gets he get real he really gets the party started, Steve. To quote the immortal Hawk Harrelson, I love crooked numbers. Seeing a big eight spot go up there was outstanding. And to see Yaz Money come out there hit that first dinger, first game back. Um, you know, it, it was funny because in that first inning, you talked about they, they scored one run. They had a chance to to put more on the board there and to put a crooked number on the board in that first inning. They had the bases loaded and one out. Yaz hit a, hit a pop-up in that uh, in that inning right there that prevented them from getting any more, any more runs. And he just got under the ball. And then you saw his next at bat. He squared that thing up, man. And that had to be feel so good for him uh, getting back in there right away hitting a bomb right out the chute, showing the offensive potential that he has and just the length that he adds to this lineup. Um, now with him, obviously, Luis Robert in there, Eloy Jimenez in there. And to your point, this is the full squad for the first time 
all season. So a lot of people want to talk about the issues that they've had against, you know, teams like the Yankees or teams like the Rays and some of these other teams with, with winning, winning records. The fact of the matter is that was a depleted White Sox roster that was facing those teams at that point. I think if we really want to judge what the Sox are going to be, we judge them from this point forward now because this is the squad here that we've been waiting for all season. That's a good point, Steve. And I think that, you know, the White Sox have done such an excellent job uh, this year of, of kind of keeping things at bay of next man up mentality. And what you saw today or on Friday and today was a, a, a full lineup basically outside of the fact that, you know, you had some guys resting today, but you saw the power throughout that lineup sort of come to light where this team is hitting the ball far. And as you like to say, ball go far, team go far, but they're not just hitting home runs. They're also producing runs, doing a little bit of station to station and just getting runs across the plate. There was even a few times today uh, in, in today's ball game and throughout Friday's ball game, Steve, where, you know, you've got, you know, runners on first and third. And instead of hitting into an inning ending double play, a guy breaks it down the line and gets to first base and you stretch a run across here and there. I love that because those things add up uh, throughout the course of a ball game and throughout the course of a season, Steve. And it just feels like we haven't had enough of that. So, uh, Great, great, great third inning from the White Sox on Friday afternoon. Uh, we're going to kind of fly through this one. Uh, they were able to add another four runs there in the fifth. Uh, the Cubs were able to get back on in the seventh, uh, and they traded a run uh, back and forth. Uh, there is the Sox were able to do that and then uh, do that as well. The eighth inning saw more magic. Uh, Cubs get three, and the White Sox also add three. Uh, I, I want to kind of fast forward. Uh, there was a lot of offense here. You saw another Yasmani Krandal home run. Uh, but the one thing I want to get to is you have Craig Kimbrell out there in the ninth inning uh, with a fairly uh, decent lead, Steve, and uh, more trouble for Craig Kimbrell against the Cubs. That's the other game note that I had. Well, we've talked about this in a number of circumstances. Sometimes for closers, it's just hard to have that same adrenaline rush in a non situ in a non save situation. Um, Kimball took them on with a touchdown lead on on Friday, so you go out there, maybe you you just aren't as amped up um, to take the ball than you would be if it was a one or two run game. And we also got to we also got to be real about this. The ball that Patrick Wisdom hit for that second home run off of him, that ball was in off the plate, so it was not a bad pitch. So you got to give a little bit of credit to a hitter in that spot. Um, you know, obviously, I think Kimbrel probably did want to you know maybe bury that pitch um, a little further in on his hands, but it wasn't like it was a pitch right over the heart of the plate that that he just served up there. So sometimes you got to give credit to a hitter for hitting a good pitch. Yes, you do. Uh, I, I know that there's going to be a lot of people out there that say Kimbrel should just get that done. Um, I kind of somewhat agree with uh, with both sentiments here, Steve. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, there's just going to be times, like you said earlier, where uh, a closer comes in in a non-save situation, has a little bit too much room to work with. Uh, these guys are human, as Johnny likes to say. Uh, if you take the humanity away from all of them, best nine should be able to come out and perform every single day every day with no breaks. Uh, and that's just not the case here. Uh, before we go any further here, uh, Sockside Mike, cheers, gentlemen. Cheers to you as well. Thank you for tuning in. Um, Steve, overall, though, on, on Friday night, it was an entertaining ball game. It was a sloppy ball game, uh, but it was a Crosstown Classic, and it was it was just a phenomenal watch. Any thoughts on the game overall? And, and just, you know, did you have fun with that one? 
it kind of had a little bit of everything to it. Um, there was the initial frustration, obviously, of you know spotting a, a six pack right there in, in the first inning before you even step up to the plate. So you have that frustrating aspect of it. It's like, wow, is this going to be one of these long, brutal nights? But then you know the bottom half of the inning comes around, and Sox put together some quality at bats, and then we were able to scratch across the one run. And you and I were texting about this, obviously, and you're like, "There's a lot of baseball left to be played here." And you know, once the Sox bats finally woke up, they they put up 13 unanswered runs on them. So that was definitely a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah it was. And for those that don't know, one of my favorite things is when Steve texts me something, and then I, I send something back, and I make a bet against myself. Uh, and it actually comes true. And, and there was a lot of baseball left to be played that night. Just an excellent, excellent game, I think, for the White Sox to win because had they not, uh, it would have been four hours of misery. So uh, moving on a little bit, uh, I, like you mentioned earlier, you were over at uh, our guy Buzz's house uh, celebrating his daughter's first birthday, and uh, you guys got to take in just one of the most abysmal games the White Sox have seen all year. I think that it was the most dead that team had looked, uh, obviously a long affair the night before. Um, but it's Saturday night. And, you know, one thing that I said on, on the, uh, the Twitter.com was that night was not the pregame to your Saturday night that I was promised by Tim Anderson. A lot of lackluster play yesterday. Absolutely. They, they went out there. The quality of the bats was, if we're being completely honest, piss poor in comparison to what it had been the night earlier. Alec Mills also did do a, a pretty good job. He had a nice game plan, was attacking the Sox hitters in the strike zone really from the outset, but Sox hitters didn't do themselves any favors with the lack of quality of bats that they put up there. And Lance Lynn just, you know, we gotta, we gotta be honest about this. He didn't have particularly good fastball command had his worst outing of the season. And, you know, my, I, I was over at my parents earlier today. My mom was like, you know, what the fuck was that yesterday? And it was kind of just one of those things where it's baseball over the course of 162 games. You're going to have stinkers like that, even against a dog shit team like the Cubs. Um, sometimes that just happens. It's just baseball sometimes. And, and you just got to kind of deal with it. And like I said, that's where Buzz and I decided, Hey, we're going to have a couple, two tree dozen beers and uh, we're just going to, you know, Wash this one away. Yeah, misery beers are sometimes just as good at uh, washing away the pain as, as victory beers are for celebrating uh, wins, Steve. And, uh, yeah, I don't really want to talk much more about this one, but one little note I had was Eloy Jimenez's plate approach yesterday, Steve. I'm going to talk to you about this one uh, real quick here. Uh, four pitches is what Eloy Jimenez saw yesterday. He swung at the first pitch each and every single time. And uh, it didn't work out very well for him. Uh, swinging at the first pitch, I'm okay with the aggressive approach, Steve, but you cannot do that late in a ball game against a team when you're down by multiple runs and their starting pitcher is cruising through your lineup. You have to see some pitches. The over-aggressiveness really bit him in the ass, and particularly the whole White Sox lineup. I was not happy with that. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm reaching out to some of my sources right now here to confirm that that is indeed not good. Um, I have speculated that swinging in four pitches in four plate appearances and going 0 for 4 is indeed bad. But as always, I'm working to confirm. So I, I will look to have an answer for the masses on that here shortly. I, I, I'm waiting for Bruce Levine and, uh, you know, what about, not, what about not Bruce? 
What if not, not Bruce? Bruce it could in. be not Bruce, but you know, can confirm WH six <laughs> outfielder Eloy Jimenez plate approach on Saturday was misspelled. Not good. Uh, that's the tweet I'm expecting uh, coming from Bruce Levine to back you up there. Uh, Steve, wash that one away, like you said, uh, but you got to have better plate approaches. They did today. Uh, and let's get into today's ball game. Uh, I was down after yesterday. I was just a little bit down after yesterday. I'm sure you were as well. But they come out. I honestly today. wasn't. I honestly you wasn't. Weren't. No, no. I, I woke up today feeling pretty good. And just, you know, when, when this game started, I, I wasn't even really thinking about last night. I was like, you know what? It's a new day. Bring out the whooping sticks. Let's go. And boy, did they. The whooping sticks, they did. They got out to an early start here, Steve, uh, putting up a run in the first, added two more in the second. And, you know, then they really busted open in the fifth. But before we talk about the offense, I want to talk about Dylan Cease and just how fucking nasty this guy is. Uh, Goes six innings today, only gives up four hits, one run, walks two, but strikes out 11. I believe he struck out 10 in his last start against the Cubs. Uh, the only blemish coming via the long ball, uh, really, for Dylan Cease today. And, you know, he was getting himself on a high pitch count, as he normally does, but he was still able to come out there for that sixth inning and and just, you know, get through it and, and continue to strike guys out and miss bats. Uh, you saw the slider working a little bit more today than the knuckle curve. Uh, it's great that he's got two different breaking balls that are just nasty, and I've been – I think the most impressed with Dylan Cease's development over the course of this year, Steve, offense pitching. I I think Dylan Cease is arguably the guy who developed the most this year on this white Sox club. Cease's development is definitely a big story for this team during the course of the regular season and heading into the postseason, because it is very clear at this juncture that he is a guy that is going to be getting the ball in a postseason series. Um, you know, should there be a, a fourth game in that division series and should this team advance to the ALCS, he is the guy that he is absolutely going to get the ball. And his development really, was, this was something I talked about early on in the season. I felt that between him, Kopech, or Carlos Rodon, if one of those guys hit, I felt like this team was going to win the American League pennant. That was something that I, I put in writing over at ontapsportsnet.com. So you may want to check that out from earlier before the season started here. And Cease, you know, there were some ups and downs early on in the season, but his last 10 starts or so, he's really being more aggressive in the strike zone. He's still the, the one issue that he is frequently having is he'll have that one inning where the command kind of gets away from him and he ends up throwing 24, 25 pitches. And we saw that today. I think it was in the fourth inning. Um, prior to that, he had been pretty efficient actually with his pitch count, even with all the strikeouts. So Stone had talked about this on the broadcast. And the biggest thing that has helped him this season is his ability to be able to put guys away with consistency when he gets ahead of them. Oh, two, one, two. We saw far too often in 2019 and 2020, he would get guys down in those favorable counts for him. And then he would let them back into the bat. Next thing you know, it's two, two, three, two, and he's walking a guy or having a long protracted at bat before he gives up a base hit. Now he's going out there and he's, burying guys when he gets ahead in those pitchers counts. That is a huge thing from the development for Dylan Cease. Now if they could just find a way to tighten up, had 
and eliminate that one inning where that command gets away from him to elevate the pitch count, this guy's really going to take off at that point, I think. I agree with you 110% here, Steve. It's always been the one inning problem for him. Uh, we've talked about it on this show over and over again. Uh, but I just, I, I think you are absolutely correct. He is a guy that deserves the ball in a playoff rotation. Um, I just, I hope he can continue to tune himself up and stays on this type of trajectory uh, throughout the course of the, the remaining games in the final season that he's got the ball. But Going into the playoffs, I just don't want to see it fall off at all for him because I think for as good as he can be, and we saw today, there's still that lingering thought in the back of your mind, what happens if something goes wrong? And so that's something that I think is going to be important to watch uh, down the line for Dylan Cease. Uh, we did we did talk about uh, you know some of these runs getting scored. I want to talk about how, Steve. For bottom of the first inning, Luis Robert just absolutely murders a ball to left center to get the Sox on the board. You rolled the R at the beginning of the show because of just how damn impressive Luis Robert was. We talked a little bit about it already. Let's just talk about it one more time because I love when Luis Robert home runs. Tony, Tony, I want to hear you roll the R. I will roll the R. Don't worry. It's coming. We've got plenty of show left. I mean, that home run – was absolutely amazing because, you know, it was a pitch on the inner third of the plate, and it didn't even look like he took a full swing on it, if we're being completely honest. Like I said, I was over at my parents. My mom watched it. She's like, he didn't even swing, and that thing just took off like an absolute rocket. This just shows the raw explosive power that that guy has in his bat, the bat speed that he generates. When he connects on the ball, it's going to go It's gonna go places. So Luis Robert, this guy – I mean, the sky is the absolute ceiling for him. It's going to be terrifying as he continues his development. He gets a better understanding of how pitchers are trying to approach him, trying to attack him on a consistent basis. Um, he's really just going to be dangerous to watch, and it's going to be so fun and so enjoyable here going forward. Yes, it is, Steve. And like I said, I'll roll the R, but uh, plenty of show left. Uh, I think one thing about this home run, Steve, is it really set a tone for the day. And if you're talking about, you know, setting the tone, that's something that I like to see early on in a baseball game. That's why I like crooked numbers early. Unfortunately, this one is not a crooked number in the first inning, but it did set a tone for the offense that they were going to get after Kyle Hendricks today. And, you know, for as much talk about Kyle Hendricks leading the NL and wins and, and everything else, you know, he didn't get a lot of help from his offense today. But he just didn't look great. Comes back out in the second inning and gives up another two. Uh, and that was off of a Brian Goodwin homer. And one thing, Steve, that you've said, and we'll continue to say it, ball go far, team go far. When you're a White Sox offense and you've hit two dingers in the first two innings, that's a good sign for the rest of the day. That we've is seen, the tone being set. Yeah, We've seen the stats. We've seen the graphics during Sox broadcasts for months now. When this team hits multiple home runs, they almost, I mean, they have close to like, I think a 700 win percentage. So the formula is pretty simple. Get good quality starting pitching, hit the ball out of the damn ballpark, White Sox winner, fireworks, everybody goes home happy. 
Yep, and and that was that was the plan today. Cubs do add one on a Frank Schwindel homer uh, in the fourth inning. That was the lone blemish we talked about on Dylan Cease's day. And then the Sox come to play in the fifth inning, Steve. Uh, Jose Abreu cranks one to center field. Uh, I thought that ball had a chance of, of staying in the yard in, in, a, in a better fashion than it did. It does bounce over the wall. I kind of wish it bounced back. I thought Jose had an outside chance of a triple if it did, just the way that uh, the center fielder played the ball there. Uh, but Cesar Hernandez scores on that one. Brian Goodwin also scores. And uh, then you have Eloy Jimenez come up right after. And for a guy that we just talked about how terrible of a plate approach uh, that he had just the day before, uh, you see him take an 0-2, uh, 0-2 count and homers right into right field, goes opposite on that one uh, to bring home both Robert and Abreu, and then right after that, Yasmani Grandal just back in the saddle, Steve, another home run for him in this series. I think he was, like I said earlier on the show, game ball for this guy on Friday, uh, another one for him today, just proving how impactful he can be to this White Sox lineup. Eloy just showing the easy opposite field power that he has in that bat. That is one of the really impressive things about him as a hitter. So many guys' power is pull side dependent. He's a guy that can take it out to any field in any ballpark across the major leagues. And that is something that is pretty rare if we're, if we're being completely honest. And again, this is a guy that, is only in his third major league season. He's still not a finished product. That's why I will continue to beat this drum because I firmly believe it's going to happen. He is going to be the first player in White Sox history to hit 50 home runs in a season. I thought it was going to happen coming into this season. I firmly believe we will see Eloy Jimenez be the first White Sox player to break that 50 home run plateau. And it's just for reasons that we saw here today, this easy, raw, opposite field power. He's got seven home runs already here in less than a month. And it's, it's just, it's it's scary to see what that guy is, is able to do. And then like you talked about, Tony, Yaz Money, the big man coming back in the saddle here, three home runs this weekend. Just add more power and more pop to this lineup. This thing is going to be really fun down the month of September here. Hopefully everybody can stay healthy, get in a groove, get their legs under them, and and get enough at-bats coming down the stretch here so that when the bell rings on October 7th for Game 1 of the ALDS, this team is ready to go and firing on all cylinders. And that's the plan. I mean, that's that's obviously the plan. That's why you had uh, Tim Anderson resting today, uh, still dealing with some some leg issues, some leg tightness, as we saw Tony LaRusso talk before the game about, uh, you know, Tim Anderson didn't want to play him on the turf, uh, you know, uh, just some general soreness. Uh, you and I had a phone call about this before the game started, Steve. I was not exactly happy about it. Um, you know, you've got an off day coming up tomorrow. Uh, if it's that serious, you know, at, at some point, Steve, do you consider a, a brief IL stint for Timmy down the stretch here as you, as you enter, uh, you know, a, a better stretch of schedule? Uh, could you see that come on, on Monday or Tuesday, uh, retroactive, uh, to just kind of give him some rest against the Pirates and, and through the week there's two off days. Uh, how much do you want to rest him up? What are you thinking there? There's just a lot of questions around Tim Anderson, and I think he is going to be an integral piece that you absolutely need to have come October. I know we had a discussion earlier, but uh, let's hear your side of it. 
we all know that Tim is the straw that serves this drink. Um, he really is the heartbeat of this team. You see it when he's not in the lineup. The complexion of this of this whole lineup is just different. So if there is something that does need to happen as far as him maybe taking a 10-day IL stint, I think that it's fine to, to look at and consider that here as we reach a soft pocket of the schedule coming up to close out the month here with the Pirates and then into the first, you know, week or so of, of September. So if that's something they want to look at and then retroactively do it, it's fine. The key ultimately here is Tim Anderson has to be fully healthy. He's got to be 100% come October 7th. So however they go about doing that, we don't really necessarily even know the severity of of the, the leg issue here. Um, if it's not anything catastrophic, you know, they've obviously got the off day tomorrow. They've got the off day Thursday. Maybe they rest him, you know, one of the games in the Pirate Series. So you, you have an opportunity here to give him some time to let him get his legs back under him a little bit. So however they decide to approach it ultimately is is going to be fine. You just got to make sure that that guy and his legs are ready to go October 7th. Yep, I, I absolutely agree, Steve. Um, he's just too important to this lineup. Um, and, and despite the fact that, you know, sitting today didn't really prove impactful on the game, uh, you know, we've seen this plenty of times uh, where the White Sox will roll a lineup out and people are questioning uh, why said lineup is there. I know we commented on it a little bit earlier. Uh, it, it's because some of these guys are human. Um, and you know, they'll, they'll need a day off every now and then, but I think imp more importantly, we need Tim Anderson, uh, ready to go. And, and as Tony LaRusso said before this game, uh, Yohan Moncada has played more than a lot of the other guys down the stretch and, and just need an off day. We all know that's just because we needed Jay Clam in, in this ball game, Steve. You can never go wrong with, with getting the clam in there. And also, you know, we can't rule out the possibility of maybe maybe Yohan, you know, went out to some of the underground clubs in uh, in the region last night. Um, you know, I was out I was out in Buzz's hood, so I wasn't able to you know have my my report in the field out there to check to see maybe if Yohan came out out this way to the two one nine to kind of uh, you know. Have, have, himself a, have himself yeah. a Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I've got some of my informants out in the field working to confirm, as always. So um, the ONTAP Sports Investigative Division is on the case. As they always are. All right, Steve, uh, as we get back into this one, I know uh, we had uh, kind of segued into Tim Anderson uh, there after we talked about the fifth inning. Uh, Sox are able to add two more uh, in the bottom of the sixth. And again, Luis Robert, home runs on a fly ball to left field. Another one for our guy, Luis Robert. Not as good as yours. It didn't go as long, but I rolled the R for you. I love it. It's a thing of beauty. We, it just That warms my heart so much to, to hear that tone. Thank you. Thank you for that. You're welcome. And You're welcome. Just, I got to work on it. We, have it we, we had a disservice this year of a long – IL stint for Lubad La Pantera, whatever you want to call him. Here on this show, we roll the R. That's listen. That's just what we do. You got to show respect and you got to pay a little homage to the man because he is a just physical, genetic freak. And you know, listen, when he goes out there and when he does things, you got to roll that R, baby. You do. You absolutely do. He adds two more for the White Sox, uh, and then uh, we'll go into the seventh inning. 
the Sox are able to add another one. Steve, outside of crooked numbers, I think one thing that I love that an offense can do is put up runs in consecutive innings and they come out in the seventh and they add another one. It's a Brian Goodwin uh, into a force out and uh, Jake Lamb scores on this one. Again, one of those plays that I talked about earlier where I said, I love when you can just scratch another run across. Um, it might not be the sexiest way to get it across, but it happens. Uh, and those things add up. It, this one is inconsequential in the ball game, but it's just, a, it leaves a bad taste in the mouth of the opponent, I think. And if you're the Chicago Cubs or any other team that's facing the White Sox and you're down, you know, by 11, 12 runs at this point in the ball game, and, uh, you know, you, you just sacrifice another run across the plate. I, I just, I love that because when I am on the other side of this, it's, it just feels like, come on. So, you know, that at that point, you've got Cubs fans sitting there like, come the fuck on. How did that one just get across? And I just feel like it's it's kind of the the equivalent of of just you know poking them when they're already dead. Foot on the throat, never take your foot off. Just when when you've got a team down, as they like to say in Mortal Kombat, finish him. And yep. you know when you just keep adding on runs, that's what you got to do. That's exactly it. And Steve. Uh, just going back here for a second, the uh, the rest of the bullpen today, pretty impressive. Uh, you had uh, just a, a clean inning from, as what Johnny Nani calls, the guy, Ryan Tapera of the bullpen right now. A clean inning from him. Kopech comes back out there. He does get two to strike out, does give up a hit here, but... That was a game that I think Michael Kopech desperately, desperately needed. Great performance from from both of those guys. Any quick thoughts? Tapera's been lights out during the month of August. First couple of outings he had with the Sox after the trade, gave up a couple of long balls, and a lot of people were saying, you know, why did we go out and get this guy? Well, he's shown why here during the month of August. As far as Michael Kopech goes, we knew there was going to be a dead arm period at some point during this season, even with that month-long IL stint that he had due to the hamstring issue. When he had a guy that hadn't thrown a competitive pitch since 2018, there was going to come a point during this season here when the stuff just was, wasn't was going to be as crisp and there wasn't going to be as much zip on, on the fastball or that late life that we've seen for so much of the season here. It's kind of gone through that stretch here a little bit over the last two, three weeks. But today was definitely nice to see him go out there, get back to vintage Michael Kopech, utilizing that fastball in the upper third of the strike zone, putting guys away with it. And this is a guy that's going to be very important for this team going forward here. So hopefully he's able to kind of get that arm strength back, get that little bit of late extra life on the fastball. Because if they have that guy that has been here for the majority of the season, that is going to be another lethal weapon for them in this bullpen here. And that's going to be very important come October. It absolutely will be. And, and there's, there's one Sunday fun day topic that I have after we finish the conclusion of this game, Steve, that I'm really excited to talk about. So if you're, if you're still listening, stay tuned. Uh, the, the end of this game comes down to Liam Hendricks, who we did not see in, uh, in quite a bit. I think it was a five game uh, stretch there. No Liam Hendricks. Obviously we talked about, uh, Craig, uh, Craig Kimbrell coming in on Friday uh, to uh, work the ninth inning. Uh, 
Hendricks was due to pitch today, regardless of what this score was going to be, at least in my mind, I, I thought he, we were going to see him, uh, comes in and works, uh, a great ninth inning, Steve. And I think that, uh, you know, one inning pitched two strikeouts, no damage done to a guy. I mean, you, you said it earlier in a non-save situation. It was good to see that from Liam Hendricks today. I was almost happier that it wasn't a save situation for him to come in and work and still throw that way. I think it means a little bit more uh, just with all of the extra activity we've seen with this bullpen lately uh, where things can just go awry real quick. Uh, I think it was good that he got in there in that situation. Obviously he's amped up to just be in the game at this point in time with as much rest as he's had, but I think it was important that he, pitched as well as he did in that ninth inning, regardless of what the score was. He was definitely more amped up today than he has been in quite a while. And it was pretty funny because he was going out there screaming before pitches were even crossing the plate at, at guys. Um, you know, that first strike, I think, was that on Wisdom or, or Schwindel? I can't remember who it was. But he was literally screaming before the thing even got to the plate. That's how amped up this guy was. So it's almost kind of like you you caged an animal for five days since he had that outing in Toronto on, uh, I think it was Tuesday there. And he was just so amped up, had so much pent up aggression and energy that he had to let out. And, and boy, did he today. He was uh, very animated out there. We're used to seeing that from him, but I think he dialed it up a notch today and it was great to see him go out there. Nice, quick, clean inning. Get those two strikeouts that, that you mentioned. Just attacking guys with that with that hard elevated fastball. That's the guy we want to see here going forward because that's the guy that can be dangerous. Absolutely is, and I don't want to uh, you know discredit anything that was done by this bullpen today, Steve. Uh, but, uh, you know, just because the Chicago Cubs lineup, I like how you asked me, like, was it wisdom or Schwindel who we got on the first strikeout? Does it matter? Does it care? Uh, do I care? No, it, it doesn't because this Cubs lineup right now, uh, you know, they, they want to ask the excuses about like their triple a lineup and all this other stuff. We should beat them. I'm not going to give them any credit. Um, whoa, whoa, at all. Wait, 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 you know, you know, they, they should have been happy because, you know, they won their World Series yesterday. Isn't that how the, how this works? You know, because, you know, what, wasn't is. that the, the thing that they that they would always used to say, oh, this is your World Series? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not even going to give them any credit for anything. I I hate the Cubs. Um, but, you know, I just I, I think that days like today for the bullpen are important because, we want them to perform this way all the time, regardless if you have a 10 run lead or a three run lead, you need to see your bullpen a squad perform. And I think to an extent, Steve, we saw bullpen a squad right now with Tapera, Kopech and Hendricks. I think you could throw Craig Kimbrell in that mix as well. I think his career deserves that pedigree. I think Aaron Bomber is a fringe guy at this point, but lately it's been Tapera, Hendricks, Kimbrel, uh, Kopech, and Kopech's been struggling. So you want to see these guys work clean innings despite whatever the score is. That's what they did today. Mark a good day down for the bullpen because I feel like we've talked about way too many bad days for the bullpen. So give some credit where credit's due. That's my thought. Yep. 
collectively as a unit, they definitely needed a day like this. These are the guys, they're going to be ridden very hard during the month of October. And the way postseason baseball kind of works now and just seeing that starting pitchers generally don't provide as much length to games as they have in decades past, the Sox realistically will probably only go as far as this group of relievers allows them to go. So getting them on track, helping them to develop a level of consistency, that's going to be the key here during this last month of the season. Absolutely will be, Steve. Awesome. End of the game, Sox win, fireworks, like you said. Um, Hendricks closes it down, non-safe situation. But you get out of there taking two or three against the Cubs. You're back home, home cooking. Uh, you got an off day tomorrow. Things are good in White Sox land right now, Steve. I, I, I sense that, you know, some of the, uh, you know, doubts maybe have calmed down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we did get through the toughest stretch of the schedule, seven and seven um, against some really good teams. You've got Pittsburgh coming to town for a two-game set uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. I think things are good right now. I think things are good. Where are you at as a White Sox fan with this ball club? Let's get into some Sunday fun day topics. Where are you at with this team right now? I feel good about them. And I've been saying this for a while that ultimately we weren't going to be able to really judge this team until we saw them fully reassembled. And we have reached that point here. So we saw, obviously, them able to take two out of three from a piss-poor, dog-shit, sorry-ass excuse of a franchise you love to see that. Now, let's continue to build on that. Let's build some momentum here. You got a couple more weak sisters here the rest of this week in Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Go out there, kick them in the nuts, kick them when they're down, start stacking some wins here. As this thing stands right now, they're you know, three games in the loss column behind the Pirates, or, or excuse me, behind the Pirates, behind the Astros for that number two spot. I can't stress enough how pivotal it is going to be for this team to surpass Houston and get home field advantage in that ALDS series. So you've got a spot in the schedule here coming up with, with teams like this. You got to take advantage of it. You got to beat up on these little weak sisters here. You got to keep putting numbers in that left-hand column right there. That's how you're going to be able to do it. Yeah, Steve, I'm, I'm right there with you. One thing that I'm a little bit nervous about is, you know, the team taking its foot off the gas a little bit more uh, with this stretch of schedule, uh, which was talked about on the pregame show on the radio. Uh, I believe Connor McKnight was uh, was talking a little bit about this and, and the Saturday game where you don't want to see the team get complacent through this. These are the dog days of summer, as they like to say. Um, you know, I think that that's completely true. Uh they just need to get through this next week, I feel like, is the biggest lull for this team uh, in hockey. Johnny and I talk about this on Four Feathers Podcast. We call them trap games where you come through a tough stretch of you know road games. You get back home for a little while. Uh, you have that home wasn't that, usually, wasn't that usually the first home game after the circus trip? It was, and that's that's always the ultimate trap game, especially when it was against like an inferior opponent that uh, you know just has had a terrible year. And you you look at Pittsburgh and you look at Kansas City. Kansas City has played some teams extremely well that, that are that are good baseball teams of late. And so that series right there, I have that one circled coming up here, Steve, as you know potentially disastrous. To this whole thing, because could you imagine uh, a, a scenario 
for a second, if I want to go full negative Nani, where the Kansas City Royals sweep the Chicago White Sox, we are going to be talking about full-fledged meltdowns on Twitter.com because that, that would be the worst thing that could possibly happen. And yet I can see scenarios where it, it, it could happen. I know I would be mad. I know you would be mad. I know Buzz, Johnny, everybody would be mad. But I also think that in the grand scheme of things, like looking at this with a full picture perspective, if that did happen, it's probably not the end of the world for the White Sox. It would just be very fucking alarming. I don't even know that it would be alarming. It would just be annoying. Um, That's a good way to put it. You know, Kansas City has played the Sox pretty tough this year. We saw, you know, they had that seven games um, earlier in the month, and the Sox, you know, I think went, you know, two and five against them. So the the Royals, I thought, kind of coming into the season were going to be a, a pesky, annoying team that could give you know the Sox a problem potentially. And it has kind of played out like that, unfortunately, here. It would be very nice to see this fully reassembled group come out there, especially after an off day, go into, go into barbecue land there and just put it on them right from the outset. One of the things that will be kind of interesting to watch, though, will be the decision of does Kansas City call up Bobby Witt Jr.? And um, you know, they, got, they got another power hitting first baseman. His, his name is eluding me off the top of my head right now. But these two guys are smacking dingers left and right down in AAA Omaha. So the question will be, does Kansas City bring these guys up here or do they wait to play the service time manipulation game starting next April? Um, that could be a really interesting dynamic to watch within that particular series. Nick Prado, that's his name. Um, those are two you know hot hitting prospects down there for, for the Royals. So that could be a, a little bit of an interesting dynamic change for that Kansas City lineup if those two guys are there. Yeah, absolutely, Steve. And I think that that's something as well to look at on the White Sox side. Uh, what are we going to get uh, come September 1st? Uh, I'm sure we're going to discuss that this week on the show. Uh, I do have a different Sunday fun day topic, though, that I want to get to, and that is who was the one that got in Jerry Reinsdorf's ear and let these guys – grow their beards you've seen some like just ridiculous beard growth this year from this team steve dylan cease michael kopeck uh obviously lance lynn trimmed his dallas keichel uh we're, we're just going to cast him off from the fear of the beard group uh but you've seen some impressive beard growth from the white Sox. i, I know that uh when you were on the website you used to have uh the uh the monkeyer of uh Southside clown show and you had a very specific profile picture of someone with a clown nose and one thing that I've noticed about this White Sox team that's different than White Sox teams past Steve is that uh, there's a lot more facial hair that's going on and I, I really believe that that might be the difference that's led to their success this season uh, if, if, if you don't believe in it that's fine but uh, I'm not I'm not going full superstitious mode but I believe you told me on Friday night Steve uh, if it's working, don't question it. Uh, who on this White Sox staff? Was it Rick Hahn? Was it Tony Larusa? Was it Jose Abreu? Was it Tim Anderson? Who got in Jerry's ear and allowed these guys to grow these beards that is that is leading to White Sox success, Steve? My guess is it had to probably be Jose Abreu because he seemingly can get Jerry to do whatever he wants. Um 
I've been saying for a little while here, Jose Abreu will be in a White Sox uniform as long as Jose Abreu wants to be in a White Sox uniform because Jerry Reserf will not tell him no. So I'm tempted to say that he was the guy that ultimately got, uh, you know, the the old dickhead to lighten his stance on the beards. And to your point, Tony, Crash Davis said in, in the great baseball movie, Bull Durham, you never fuck with a winning streak. If you think you're playing well because you're getting laid or because you're not getting laid, you don't change a thing. You just keep doing what you're doing. These guys are playing well. They're loose. They're they're a fun group to be around. You can tell there's a high level of camaraderie there. These guys genuinely seem to really like each other, and they have personalities. And for a long time, the White Sox were a very vanilla group. This team is anything but that, and allowing them to have the the beards and, and the facial hair just kind of adds to that a little bit, and there's really no reason to do away with it. No, there's not, and I think that uh, it, it does say something about this specific ball club, Steve. They do have fun. I mean, that's been brought up multiple times throughout the year. We've talked about this team having an it factor. Uh, being able to get back into ball games, you look at Friday night as a prime example uh, of a team that just, you know, battles back, has fun. Um, you, you see these guys uh, tossing balls to fans. You see them signing autographs uh, more than other teams and more than teams in White Sox, uh, you know, White Sox past as well. Uh, the guys just seem to get along with each other. I think that's kind of the undertone of, of something that really deserves a lot more uh, eyes on it, Steve. I, I don't think a lot of people want to talk about, you know, a, a clubhouse meshing uh, because you can't quantify it. You can't, you can't put numbers around it. But the way that these guys show up to the ballpark every day uh, versus the way that some teams show up to the ballpark or even people show up to their jobs every day and hate it. These guys want to be here. They want to be in front of the fans. They want to be around everybody. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's been any public disputes that have been made known within the clubhouse outside of the Yerman Mercedes incident, which gets joked about all, all, all over the internets. Um, but there is just something different about the team. And one thing that I've noticed, and, and maybe this is, maybe it was last year, maybe it was a few years ago that this went away. One of the things that I thought about a Jerry Reinsdorf run White Sox team is that he always liked the guys being clean cut. He, you saw when, uh, when Michael Kopech first came up, he had to cut the hair, um, clean himself up a little bit. And now all of a sudden you're seeing, you know, Dylan Cease grow a, a gnarly beard. You're seeing Michael Kopech grow it out a little bit. He still has the ponytail. I know we don't have a lot of guys with the hair flow uh, out in, in, in the back, they're, they're, they're pulling him up. Liam Hendricks, same thing, but Jerry must've conceded the beard. And I'm wondering if that has some sort of impact on this team. I know I'm going very deep here, Steve, but can you see that? Can you see that as, as a group of guys being able to have some of that freedom and just be yourself uh, lending itself to being, uh, you know, a, a reason for success of this team? <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to totally discount it. I mean, I generally think that if you, have the talent that this group has individually and collectively that regardless of whether or not you are allowed to grow your beard out or allowed to grow your hair out, you're, you're going to display that talent or not. But at the same time, there is certainly something to be said and you touched on this earlier in what I do every day or in what you do every day. If you're, if your boss is 
allow you to display your personality and allow you to go out and to do your job as you see fit in the manner you see fit without standing over you every step of the way saying, no, 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 this is how you have to do it. This is how we do things here. There probably is something to that from, from a psychological standpoint. How much of it, um, you touched on that. It's, it's a little hard to quantify. But I, I think just from a mentality standpoint, if these guys know, hey, I can go out there. I can just be myself. I can be loose, free, easy. Just go out there and play play my game and do what I do between the lines. It, pr- it probably helps a little bit. Yep, I just wanted to get your feel on that one, Steve. I just thought I found it interesting, and I thought about it today with uh, with Cease on the mound and, and Kopech coming in. Steve, that's all I really have for Sox on Tap Sunday Funday. It's always great to beat the Cubs. It's always great to beat the Cubs. I think I, heard, I think I heard that somewhere. I think I've heard that somewhere as well, uh, but I just I have to say it. It is always great to beat the Cubs. Fly the L. Um, I, I hope, I, I think that White Sox fans are going to sleep happy on this Sunday night. Um, you know, Ron Luce tucked away in his White Sox blanket. Hey, while, while, while we're on the subject of, of Southside Ron, I got a little notification on my phone earlier today. I wanted to yes. say it was maybe in like the eighth inning that uh, Cubs on Tap was, was recording live before the game was even over. Can you yeah, confirm or deny that? I can actually confirm that. Um, for, for those who are, uh, you know, in the know with on tap sports net, uh, there is our, our, I don't know if you want to call them our sister show. I don't know what, 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 you, what you would classify them as, but the Cubs post, I call, I, call them the, I call them the weak sister show, the weak sister show. Uh, they started recording their post game in the, in the, like the bottom of the seventh top of the eighth inning time frame, Steve. Uh, that's something that I can pride myself on. We have not done, uh, at all. And I, I don't think we really did that at all during our rebuild. So uh, I'm going to have some words with the, with the Cubs on tap crew later. It's going to be fun. Even with all that being said, I still got nothing but love for Southside Ron. It's my guy. Southside Ron is my guy. He is absolutely my guy. He, he's, he's fantastic. Uh, if you don't know Southside Ron, you can find him on four feathers uh, with myself and Johnny uh, recapping Blackhawks games and, and giving Blackhawks analysis. Ron is is also a huge part of on tap sports. That's so a shout out, Ron, Steve, we'll do some shout outs. I'm going to shout out Ron. This was, this was probably a tough weekend for him. Uh, so I'm going to shout him out. You know, he was happy with the results, but it was a tough weekend for him. Uh, nonetheless, Steve, you got any shout outs to give? Oh man. Wow. Shout out to give here. Um, let's go with, uh, let's go with J- good old Jason Hosking. Um, you know, our, our, our good old Australian buddy over in Iowa. Been a while since I shouted him out. He's always good people, always somebody good to uh, good to have some, some nice banter with anytime you see him at the ballpark. Hopefully uh, see him here over, over the next couple of days as I'll be attending both games of the Pirates series, although I know we won't be seeing him on Tuesday. So who knows, maybe Wednesday night uh, or, well, probably not during the week, but, you know. Jason's always been a, been a good guy. Always been a nice supporter of us here at, at On Tap Sports. That you gotta love that crazy bloke. Yeah, now that you let the cat out of the bag a little bit, the, the, the full socks on tap crew uh, will be in attendance to Tuesday night Tuesday night's ball game. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a blast, Steve. Uh, we are going to uh, we're gonna take over a suite for the night, Steve. It's gonna be fun. I plan to get real weird with it, as Frank Reynolds would say on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's going to be a lot of fun. 
a lot of fun, a lot of a lot of beers to be drank. We'll be cracking them. It's gonna be a real bad night to be a fucking beer. I'll tell you that. It's gonna be a very bad night on Tuesday. So stay tuned to the Socks on Tap Twitter account. Uh, we'll have all of that and more on Tuesday night. It's gonna be fun. That said, uh, just a programming note: I don't expect a post game. Uh, to be had on Tuesday night. Uh, but uh, I'm sure if you follow along uh, to the Sox on Tap account, you will figure out why. Uh, I hope they have stocked enough beer, Steve, up in the, in, in the suites because you've got a lot of guys rolling through there uh, from on Tap Sportsnet. They can, they can drink pretty heavily. I don't, know if, I don't know if the suites are ready. I know from the sweet experience that I had about six weeks ago, we uh, we got after it pretty aggressively. Now, and I was there with a, a group of business clients, so maybe not necessarily the most raucous group, but we were pretty aggressive with what we were able to take down from an alcohol consumption standpoint. I think with this group of savages that we got coming in on Tuesday, I'm not sure they know what's about to hit them. Yeah, I have, I, I have no doubt in my mind that uh, the, uh, the beards will need to be refreshed multiple times uh, in the fridge Tuesday night. Steve, I can't wait for that. I also cannot wait to watch the White Sox sweep the Pirates uh, in these next two ball games. Monday, off day. Uh, I hate off days. I know you hate off days. Uh, so we get, we will not be talking probably until Wednesday to everybody who tuned into the show. I know we went an hour long, but it's Sunday, fun day. The Sox beat the Cubs. It's always great to beat the Cubs. And uh, Steve? It's always a pleasure talking White Sox baseball with you. Any final closing thoughts on the night uh, before we let everybody go? Just get hot, baby. we got four weeks to go here in the regular season. 30 games left on the schedule. Magic numbers down to 23. Could be down to 22 here pending the result of this Cleveland-Boston game. We're getting dangerously close to hanging a division championship banner. Let's go. Steve, I echo that. Uh, just you know, continue to do what you're doing. Uh, like I said a little bit earlier, uh, when we, we got into the Sunday Funday topics, uh, you know, watch out for the trap game. Watch out for it because it, it's very real. Uh, don't take the foot off of the pedal at all. Um, and, uh, you know, continue to give the guys rest that need rest at the same time. I think that there's a fine line there uh, that's very arguable uh, for both sides. If people are trying to pick holes in arguments, it's, you know, don't let your foot off the gas. We need to be really good. Uh, down the stretch versus we need to have the guys ready for October. We're going to see a lot of people talking about that back and forth for the next month. Um, I, I think that there is a fine line. I think they have the right guy at the helm to, to make those decisions. Um, and uh, we'll see if it works out. But uh, other than that, Steve, I'm just going to continue to uh, drink victory beers tonight and, and enjoy this one. Steve, I will close it down. Uh, be sure you go to ONTAP Sportsnet for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs, as our guy Buzz would say. Be sure you're checking out Grandstand. Uh, they've got all of your Sox merchandise. And Steve, White Sox forever. White Sox for life. <laughs>